This episode of Armchair Explorer is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. And epic journeys is what we're all about. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Armchair Explorer, where the world's greatest adventurers tell their best story from the road. I'm Aaron Miller. I'm a travel writer. And this episode, we're going to do something that I think most of you have probably never done before. Some of you will think is absolutely crazy, but all of you, I hope, will really love it. Because as we're going to see, this is the only way to truly see the ocean on its own terms. Hold your breath because we're about to go freediving. And actually, it's cooler than that because we're going to learn to freedive. We're going to follow in the footsteps or fin steps of Kellen Spencer, who's one of my favorite adventure photographers and filmmakers. Uh, he shoots amazing imagery. I'll put some stuff up on the website and you can follow his Instagram too, at Kellen underscore Spencer. And his speciality is underwater photography. But at some point in his career, he realized that if he really wanted to take it seriously, if he really wanted to get the best shots and connect with the marine ecosystem and marine wildlife in as deep a way as possible, he'd have to lose the scuba gear and learn to reach those depths on his own. And as we're about to find out, that is not easy. And it can be very, very dangerous. But it also opened up a window into a world, our world, that few people ever get to see. It's a story about learning to freedive. It's a story about learning to do what many people consider one of the most dangerous adventure sports on the planet. But it's also one of the most meditative and beautiful. And more than that, this is a story about the ocean, about connecting to the ocean on its own terms. Silent, unencumbered and free. But first, and super quickly, thank you so much to every single one of you who's listening and enjoying the show. It means the world to me. And if this is your first time, welcome. It's great to have you here. We're going to get on well, I'm sure. The show is free, but there's a lot of work that goes into it. And one of the ways that you can help support that is by helping to spread the word. Leave a review, subscribe, tell a fellow adventurer, a fellow traveler. We are building a community here of people that love the outdoors, that love adventure, and want to celebrate this incredible planet of ours by exploring every inch of it. I'd love to connect on social media at Aaron M. Writer is my Instagram page at Armchair Explorer Podcast is the Facebook page. I'd love to connect with you guys there. I post lots of fun, interactive travel content, some of my writing, photography and other stuff like that. Uh, please also sign up to the newsletter. I put out um, once a month my curated lists of the best podcast episodes to listen to that month in the, in the field of adventure and travel, the best adventure travel trips to come up and dream about and book, and more general inspiration to get exploration into your life. It's free, it's fun, and I hope it's useful too. Finally, remember that you can book trips inspired by the shows on each of the individual episodes page of the website. These are the trips that either me or the guests have personally recommended. Just click that link. It'll take you to the tour operator or the booking platform. It won't cost you anything extra, but it will help you support the show. So thank you for that. But first and for now, forget about that because I want you to close your eyes and for just a second picture what it feels like to be underwater 
because we are about to learn to do one of the craziest things on the planet. We are about to go free diving. The weightlessness is what most people, you know, really kind of hone in on being underwater for the first time. Um, you're, you're just floating in space. It's the closest to, you know, going up in zero gravity as you could possibly do. We only move on two planes on land, right? You know, underwater, you're moving up, down, you know, your world is now expanded to a whole nother plane of dimensions. But then you take that first breath and you think it's going to be terrifying that you're, you know, surrounded by this vast void, but all you're just fixated on is how cool it is that it's just, you feel the air coming in while you're underwater. Euphoria is the best way to kind of explain it. Euphoria is a great word for it because we shouldn't be there in a way. Scuba diving is like visiting another planet, another world. And in that world, we can fly. We are weightless. After you go down a few feet, yeah, you do something called equalizing, which is basically getting the right amount of air into your scuba vest so that you become neutrally buoyant. You just float. You don't sink. You don't rise to the surface. You just float in this perfect blue void. It feels amazing. And when, and when you achieve that neutral buoyancy, something else happens too. As you drift along the coral bed or the bottom of the ocean, you can actually control your height with your breath. It's so cool. If you inhale and your lungs fill with air, you gently rise. And as you breathe out and your lungs deflate, you slowly fall. It's like flying and meditation all in one. And you get to see some pretty special things too. I recently just guided a trip out to Channel Islands, California, last July. And the kelp forests out there are some of the most fascinating environments that you could actually go into. You like hiking, right? You like hiking through trees and whatnot. Now imagine those trees are bending and moving with the medium that they're in, and you can go up and down throughout them. Anything could pop in and out of that forest at any time. So there's, you know, seals that are going throughout it, you know, gigantic fish. There's a variety of colors of starfish. I mean, to hell with looking for alien life on another planet. Look what's under there. There's some of the most fantastically created, you know, evolved organisms that you you can't dream of. We aren't even that creative to kind of dream of what these things look like. So that's the real fascination to me is just every time you're going to pop under, what are you going to find? It's a, it's a big reminder that you haven't actually seen the planet until you've been underwater. There's 70% water, so you actually haven't seen it until you've gone under there and explored it yourself. We know more about the surface of Mars than we do the deepest parts of our own ocean. We have more detailed maps of the moon than we do the seabed. There are literally thousands of species still undiscovered, millions of miles uncharted and unexplored. So Kellen's right, it is probably the last true frontier of exploration on this planet. And that mystery, that alien world, called to Kellen. He did scuba diving for a while. He grew up, in his own words, in the middle of a cornfield in Illinois. He started diving in quarries there, where you couldn't see more than three feet in front of your face. Eventually, he left. He became a scuba instructor. He traveled the world, guiding trips, and ended up moving to Colorado. He's also a pretty serious rock climber. And all the while, he was getting more and more into photography, particularly ocean photography. And that's where free diving comes in. If you look up some of the best underwater photographers, their best interactions with animals are all in breath hold, right? You're not on scuba, so you're not making noise. You're not making that huge, loud Darth Vader regulator noise underwater. 
Um, so this basically allows you to get much, much closer to animals without scaring them away. And that was always the draw for me. There's a couple draws for people, and that's like competition diving, deep diving, uh, breath holds, the health benefits of it, stuff like that. But for me, it was always getting me closer to wildlife. So we're going to get into a few of those draws because it's really interesting and there's some great stories to go with that. But first, freediving, if you're not familiar with what it is already, is basically breath hold diving. Unlike scuba diving where you're using a tank and supplemental oxygen, in freediving you literally just have your mask, a wetsuit, some fins, and your lungs. That's it. You take a big breath, you jump in, And whatever you do, you don't let go. Sound easy? It's not. Freediving is all mental, right? It's it's 100% all mental. It's just getting out of your head. And I usually excel at these kind of adventure sports that I want to get into. Not the case with this. I was terrified of it. It gave me so much anxiety trying to get into it. I know it's hard on your heart. I know it's, you know, all these different things could happen. All I've read is the horror stories. Let's get into some of those horror stories. The sport has become popularized through competitive freediving, and that's where it gets superhuman. And because you're pushing the boundaries of what is possible, potentially lethal too. The deepest man on earth is Herbert Nietzsche. And on June 6, 2012, he dove to an absolute incredible 830 feet deep. It's a world record. That is just shy of the height of the Eiffel Tower, straight down into the depths. Or to put it another way, if he was to swim out into the middle of the English Channel, the sea that separates Great Britain from France, and dive down, he would have hit the ocean floor 200 feet before his final depth at that world record dive. He could have dove down to the bottom of three of the Great Lakes, Erie, Huron, and Michigan, and Loch Ness. And no doubt, he could have took on Nessie too. And at that depth, he's experiencing about 25 atmospheres of pressure, or more than 350 pounds of pressure per square inch. It's like being crushed by a truck while holding your breath in the pitch black, because at that depth, no light can possibly reach you. I literally cannot imagine anything more terrifying. The biggest issue with free diving and why it's dangerous is people tend to do it alone, um, which is the number one rule in the sport is you just don't do it by yourself because there's the risk of shallow water blackout, right? People black out and shallow water coming up and then they just kind of drift off. All the blackouts tend to happen at the surface of the water. Almost all of them do. What, what's happening as you're going down is you're going through all these physiological changes, right? It's, it's one of the most fascinating parts of freediving. It's called the mammalian dive reflex. Well, essentially what happens is when your cranial nerves hit the water, your heart rate will drop by 50%. It's a reflex, and it's something we share with pretty much every deep diving mammal on the planet. And it's just basically a response that's kind of built into you. That's amazing, isn't it? Life began in the deep sea. And here's a reminder of that, an ancient remnant of that, which we share with our ocean ancestors. Mere contact with water, even just immersing your face, changes our physiology. We immediately adapt. 
We might be land-based creatures now. We might be land lovers now, but we come from an ocean planet. And we are part of that blue world on a fundamental physiological level. And this is proof of that. And then another thing that kind of happens is all the oxygenated uh, blood kind of migrates out of your limbs and goes to your vital organs, including your head. So what happens is whenever you're going down under pressure, the pressure is kind of working to keep all that unoxygenated uh, blood in place. And if you come up and you surface and you're very, very, very low and you don't do proper recovery breathings or this proper, you know, protocol, once you hit the surface, you go it's through, it's called a blood dump, right? You come up, all the pressure releases off of you and all the oxygenated blood in your brain moves out quickly and all the unoxygenated uh, blood moves up quickly. And that either causes a loss of motor control, um, known as an LMC, or a blackout. This episode of Armchair Explorer is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. And Pathfinder, that's a pretty cool name, isn't it? Because that's also what this show is all about. Exploring, getting off trail, having adventures, finding your own path and living life to the fullest. Sound like you? Yep, sounds like me too. Which is why I'm so excited to partner with Nissan. The 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has seven drive modes, available intelligent 4x4. It's got the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds. So go ahead and bring all that gear with you and lots more. The 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, a vehicle built for adventures everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. It's terrifying, isn't it? Most of the risks of freediving can be mitigated by basically not being a lunatic and not doing it alone. But people are people and people push the limits and people die. In 2002, the world's best female diver, Audrey Mestre, she blacked out at a depth of 300 feet on the way back up from what would have been a record-breaking dive. People rushed in to save her, but she was dead before she reached the surface. In 2013, Nicholas Mevely, a 32-year-old from Brooklyn, reached 236 feet on a single breath. He surfaced, he flashed the OK sign, and 30 seconds later, he lost consciousness and died. One statistic shows that out of 418 uh, reported freediving accidents over a five-year period, 75% were fatal. So all this is going through Kellon's head as he prepares to do his first free dive. But it's not the kind of thing you do on your own. If you're smart and you want to get into free diving and do it safely without blacking out and losing motor control and all the rest, you need to start somewhere called a level one course. But knowing where the dangers are, knowing the theory and knowing that you're not alone in the water doesn't make it any easier as you're stood on the edge of that deep abyss just about to jump in. 
Kellen picks up the story having just arrived at a place called the Blue Hole where he did his very first free dive. It's a beautiful place, but it's also an intimidating place. You get to the Blue Hole and it's just in the middle of nowhere in Santa Rosa, New Mexico. I want to say it's like maybe 60 feet wide in circumference and it's 84 feet deep, 64 degrees in it, so it's freezing. And just everywhere you look on the surface, it just bubbles coming up from how many people go there to train for scuba diving. And it's it's clear, you know, you can see all the way to the bottom, but for some reason there's this magnification that it looks deeper than it is. It looks way deeper than it is. And so what they do is they basically have a weight, like a plate and a weight, and that is set at 33 feet. And all your skills have to be done at that depth. So basically you're on the line and you have all these thoughts of anxiety running through your head and you're trying to just get to this plate that's set at 33 feet of depth, right? So you're trying to get as relaxed as possible, but as your first time, all you're doing is just looking down at this thing, right? Most people dive to like 12 feet at the bottom of the pool, right? 33 feet for your first big step is like, it, it seems like a lot. You take your first big breath and you go to basically pull yourself down this line and the first thing you notice is your ears just seal up, right? And I'm so used to scuba diving where you have all the times in the world to kind of deal with your ears from kind of doing that. Um, this, you're moving so much faster. You're going substantially faster. And if you don't have proper technique, right? It, it seems so simple, right? Like just do a dive, swim down, right? But in your head, you're trying to manage your fear you're trying to execute the f perfect entry dive to save energy. And then you're trying to equalize properly. You're trying to keep your head in the right position. There's, there's a million things that you're trying to do just perfectly. And when you're a beginning student, it's just a junk show. And immediately I just have to turn around. Here I was like, I was pretty decent at rock climbing and all these other adventure sports I got into and I'm just getting my butt kicked. He got his butt kicked but he made it through the course just, it was tough, he almost quit but he knew that he needed this in order to get as close as possible to the marine life without scaring them away. Scuba divers make a racket. The magic of free diving is that you're silent and without giving too much away, let's just say Kellen learned free diving to get close to marine life and he succeeded in a big way. And we're going to hear about that soon. But for now, there's kind of a crazy development because when he gets back to the scuba diving shop where he was working as a guide, he's told that the course he just did, that terrifying ear busting he just took, that wasn't the end of it. In fact, that was just the hors d'oeuvre. Basically, my boss, Amy, at the time, like, pulled me in the back room, and it's just like, hey, I, you're, you're kind of one of the adventure people at the shop, and I think you're the perfect fit to become the freediving instructor replacement. She goes, if you're up to this, we're going to send you a professional freediving camp down in Grand Cayman. What I said to her was, I'm like, yeah, that sounds awesome, and inside was... I'm going to die. This is this is going to be terrible. I'm definitely going to die if I go down and do this. And that, that was the thing, too. The camp was in four months. And it was just like, oh, my God, what did I just do to myself? 
So I basically just hyper fixated on how I was not going to die in four months. I even I even had so much anxiety that like I went to the doctor and got an EKG done and like had my heart monitored to see if it was going to like explode under pressure. You got to quit drinking alcohol. You got to quit cheese. You got to quit caffeine. I'm out. There was very little chance, to be honest, that I was ever going to attempt a free dive to 100 foot anyway. But now that you've got to give up cheese and booze and coffee, forget it. So you get down there, Grand Cayman is got some of the most beautiful waters in the Caribbean, right? It's with free diving, you want somewhere that the surface water is just glass. It is crystal clear all the way down. There's some days there where you get 100 foot visibility. You know, it's just like, it's almost like you're floating inside of an aquarium. Water's so clear. The camp is, um, it's ran by a guy named Nick Faza. I think he's retired from competition at this point, but I think he's an 86 meter diver. I think, I know he's going to hear this and message me and be like, there's 96. He just immediately, you know, he can like put this vibe out that, yeah, everything's fine. You know, it's just like fine. So, and then he gives you a paper that has all of the skills that you need to do right to kind of complete this thing and i'll just run through some of the more daunting ones and i'm still in like complete panic mode that i'm gonna die first one i notice is 100 foot dive stands out like a sore thumb i'm like oh god and um the other one is basically a depth rescue basically someone pretends to black out at 66 feet and you have to come down grab them by their head and swim them to the surface and then perform all these you know like uh, things to kind of like revive them yeah and so i'm like oh god so i see that and then the other one is dive to 15 meters five times with a one minute surface interval in between each dive and then you also go through and you make neck weights made out of like a bike inner tube and duct tape and lead shot it's it's ridiculous you make weights for your neck it's like the extreme sport equivalent of digging your own grave and those skills reviving people that have blacked out at 66 feet yeah thanks a lot man this is really building confidence but actually what turned it around for kellen was learning more about the science of what's actually happening to the body and to the breath at that kind of depth. The big misconception about the physiology of freediving is that that urge to breathe, right? And the panic that goes in your mind, like, oh, I need to breathe. I got to get up. I got to get up. I got to get up. That's not actually caused from low oxygen in your body. Um, that is actually caused from a buildup of carbon dioxide in your body. You, you actually don't have hardly any sensors in your bodies that actually tells you that you're low on oxygen. Um, all the panic comes from CO2. Once you know that, and you know that panic sets in, now you have a mental tool of just going like, no, I'm not actually low on oxygen. I actually have, probably have quite a bit of air left. This is just a buildup of CO2 in my body telling me that you need to exhale this. And it gets much easier over time. And actually, like a matter of days, people can go from like a 45-second breath hold to three minutes pretty easily just by doing some simple CO2 tolerance exercises. It's incredible, isn't it? The pain and panic you feel when you hold your breath isn't because you need to breathe in. It's because you need to breathe out. And once you understand that, you can train yourself to override it, at least for a little while. Kellen learned to do it for about four minutes, and that's impressive. The world record, get ready for this, is 22 minutes and 22 seconds. How is that even possible? That's like holding your breath for an entire sitcom. It's insane. That's not human. 
That is Aquaman territory. But because of those superhuman feats, we also have a misconception of freediving. It is a dangerous sport, but it's not an adrenaline sport. To do it well, you have to be completely and utterly relaxed. Most people compare it to like base jumping or, you know, the most extreme forms of skydiving. Um, and it's not that at all. It's the complete opposite. It's actually the most, what it's most like is probably yoga and meditative sports. It's actually a very relaxing sport. And if you do a really good dive, like there's almost zero thought to it whatsoever. And I was just kind of doing a practice dive and I didn't know that around 20 meters you hit free fall, you become negatively buoyant and you just kind of drift down. It's, it's one of the coolest feelings ever. I thought I was maybe at like 40 feet of depth and then all of a sudden I just like nailed my head into the sand. And I look at my dive computer and I'm like, I'm at 75 feet, holy crap. And I, I go back up and I like brought up a rock with me that I grabbed on the bottom. I'm like, how is this even possible? Just from that day, like that clicked and that was just all the mental confidence like I needed for the rest of the week. But he still had the big one, the 100 footer to come. And in order to get to those depths, your technique has to be perfect. And so does your mind. You want to be as aerodynamic as, or hydrodynamic as possible, right? You want to move as effortlessly as possible. You don't want to put a lot of energy into your movements at all, right? The more you move underwater, the more oxygen you're burning. Nick, the guy running the whole camp, says it's actually the laziest sport you'll ever do or he would never do it himself, right? So actually the goal is to move and think is just as little as possible. What you're trying to do is keep your chin tucked, stay as vertical as possible, straight-legged as possible, and use as little energy getting down to 10 meters as you possibly can. Once you hit 10 meters, you're at another atmosphere, so you have a whole other atmosphere of water on you, and now you're neutrally buoyant. So if you've weighted yourself properly, you should be able to hit 10 meters and just float without moving up or down, you know, in the water column, right? And so at that point, I have an alarm go off my computer that says, okay, you've hit 10 meters. So then I want to stop kicking as hard. And then from there, I hit 20. 20 is where you hit free fall from another atmosphere. And then I stop kicking altogether to basically save energy. I hit it and then immediately it is just the coolest sensation ever, right? It is like skydiving underwater. It's, it's probably, I've never wingsuited, but that's probably the closest feeling I would imagine what it could get, except you're like in a meditative state instead of a high adrenaline state. Your whole world is just this line zipping by you, but what's happening is your brain is going, okay, you should turn around now, you've gone deep enough. Okay, you should just turn around now, turn around now. The second that panic starts to set in, um, you gotta recognize it, and you just, you just kinda gotta accept that it's not gonna serve you in either, anyway. Like, you're in this situation regardless whether this panic kicks in or it doesn't. So, you pretty much just have to find a way to just tune it down and just have it be there as background noise like don't make sense of it it's there but don't act on it it's such good advice isn't it beyond free diving recognize that panic response but don't act on it don't make sense of it don't give it power just tune it down so often in our daily lives today we are 
constantly in a situation of stress, a perpetual stress, that alarm bell just doesn't stop ringing. And in the same way that that panic doesn't serve Kellon when he's a hundred foot under the water free diving and he has to just tune it out and put it to one side, that stress doesn't serve us in our daily life anymore either. And if we could just find a way, like he does, to put it to one side, to acknowledge it, but then recognize that it's not helping us, we could take back control. You must have access to that dial now, where you can kind of just turn everything down. That's one of the big benefits of freediving. It's just like, I, I, you know, I kind of get myself into a situation, like in college it was taking tests and stuff. I actually applied freediving breathing to like, if I was like starting to like panic or anything like that. And then, and then other sports too, like rock climbing. You get into that situation where it's just like, you're so far above that last piece of protection and it gets starting to get really scary and you start panicking. Every time that happens, I basically just like shove my face against the rock and do the free diving breathing. And it's that same thing. I just turn that dial down. It all comes down to just breath work. And it's, it's huge if you just tap into it. God, I need this with deadlines. I'll be honest with you. I've always struggled with anxiety. It's just something that I've always had to deal with. And I think many people listening will relate to that. Unfortunately, so much of our modern lives these days are geared towards making us feel stressed and anxious and overstimulated, and it can be really, really hard to escape. But I love this idea that our escape, our sanctuary, is our breath, that it's not in drugs and medicine and it's not in external solutions and it's not in chasing that panic and that stress and giving it more power by trying to fix it. It's in our breath, and that's a beautiful idea. But it's not an easy one to realize when you're 100 foot under the ocean and running out of air. Once you start getting near 100 feet, like 80 feet is where I really start to notice the pressure. It just kind of feels like you're getting squeezed. I actually like on my first or second attempt on trying to hit 100 feet, I got to 95 without knowing that I was there. And then when I turned around, I looked down, the plate was right below me. So I didn't even think about putting air in my mask right? You have these low volume masks and you actually have to put air into them to keep them from squeezing too far in your face. And so I was just like, oh, there it is right there. And so I just pulled myself down and just tagged the hundred feet plate. But as I did that, it felt like my face just like exploded. And like, I came back up and was like ecstatic. I got to the surface, but I'm just like, I'm telling everybody, I'm like, it feels like my sinuses just exploded. Basically, the instructor, Nick, was just like, you weren't supposed to go 100 feet yet because I didn't teach you, like, the proper equalization past 80 and all that. And he goes, it sounds like you got mass squeeze. And so, yeah, that pressure inside that mass basically squeezed the front of my face so much that uh, I, I woke up the next day and looked in the mirror, and my eyes were blood red. Like, it looked like I'd put in those, like, blood red movie Hollywood contacts. Just ruptured every blood vessel in my eye like and it stayed that way for three weeks everybody thought i was in a satanic cult or something because my eyes were just so blood red so he made it he had to join a satanic cult and walk around with devil eyes for three weeks but he made it he reached that hundred foot dive he overcame his fear and now that underwater world he'd been so desperate to experience and photograph was finally within his grasp. But the saying goes like, you scuba dive to look out, you free dive to look within. Um, so after you get the training out of the way for free diving, like you have the tools and the box and all that, then you really just kind of, you can enjoy it. 
And so you can go to a reef and actually apply these skills and your confidence to staying underwater for long periods of time. And one of the things you first realize after being a scuba diver for so long is whenever you're like silently going over the reef, like you just feel the water shooting past you and all of a sudden you're hearing things. Like you're going over the reef and you can actually hear this like chatter. And then you like you realize you're like, it's not silent under here. Like everything makes noise. And you realize there's this whole aspect of the ocean that you're kind of missing. You can hear this noise and this communication all around you. For me, that was like one of the most blissful, like, like you're connected with it, right? Um, and I think a lot of it has to go with that mammalian dive reflex, right? You have this gene that has coded you to dive. So that, to me, also tells me that we're made to dive in the water, just like other marine mammals and whatnot. So... It's that, and then, like, you see a sea turtle, and, like, you're swimming up to it, and then it's not moving. It's actually checking you out, just like you're checking it out. Versus on scuba, that thing was gone before because you, your noise scared it away. So you just feel, like, on free diving, that you're just much more a part of everything, that you fit in. That's just not... You're not meant to be there. You're not a tourist. Like, you actually earn this privilege of kind of going into this... Our world, I guess. You scuba dive to look out, you free dive to look in. You free dive to be a part of the ocean, not a visitor. You free dive to connect with the 70% of our planet where we don't live now, but that was once our home. You free dive to see the ocean on its own terms. And if you're very, very lucky, you free dive to have the most incredible wildlife encounter of your life. We were teaching a course in Roatan, uh, me and my buddy Nevada. We're teaching a course down there a couple years back. And you don't really ever think the Caribbean is this like crazy biodiverse hotspot for underwater life. Usually most of that's in the South Pacific. Um, so we, we basically heard that there were whales in the area. Right, so that was a pretty big surprise to me being down there. Um, so not five minutes, people are in the water, I'm at the surface, and I see blowhole spouts like going off in the distance. And immediately everybody jumps back on. We have a boat that is not suited for going that far out in the ocean at all, and we're just cranking this motor out as much as it can get to to try to get in front of these whales. So we get to a point where we think we're basically going like to intersect with these sperm whales, this whole pot of sperm whales that's going at us. Everyone's so excited. They're running towards the front of the boat. We nosedive the front of the boat in the water and almost sink it, it seems like, because everyone's so excited. We have to run everybody back, get the water off the boat. And then finally we're at a point where we're like, all right, we can kind of jump in. And so jump in and... You're looking down around you, and it's just blue abyss. Every you go, there's we're probably over like a thousand foot shelf at this point, and so it's just you watch all the light just disappear. It's not hitting anything underneath you, and you're just the speck, like right. Like I was thinking of Carl Sagan's pale blue dot at that moment. It's just like you're just this floating, insignificant speck out in the middle of the sea, and you're kind of just looking and. I, I free dive down to like maybe 30 feet and I'm just kind of waiting there, just kind of hanging out. And then in front of me, it just looks kind of like the outline of like a semi, just like slowly starting to appear in front of me. 
and then it's just it becomes more and more clear and then it's you're looking at this just 40 to 50 to 60 foot whale coming straight at you and it just slowly drifts by us and then just dives into the deep right you're just watching it and it's seriously like watching a semi with this big sentient eyeball just drifting by you you know this thing's like looking at you just as it goes by and you can just tell you know it, it's like i'm looking at you right now there's the gears are turning everything like that it's like looking at a completely other sentient being it's it's just astounding like you you almost don't feel anything because you're just like you're trying to process what you're seeing and then you realize at that moment when you're seeing this whale that you're like oh there's things alive today that is just as incredible if not more incredible than these images of dinosaurs i had as a kid and then when you're seeing one for the first time it all becomes real it's it's those things like you know they're real from seeing them on film but you can't appreciate what they are until you see them with your own eyes that's beautifully said thank you kellon thank you for taking us into the ocean into the sanctuary of our breath and showing us another side of our world a side that few people ever see and like he says we live on an ocean planet and you haven't truly explored it until you've jumped in you can follow Kellen and see some of the underwater photography that he has now gotten as a freediver on his Instagram page at Kellen underscore Spencer. That's K-E-L-L-O-N. Uh, or his Facebook page, which is Kellen Spencer Photography and his website, kellenspencerphotography.com. He has some amazing imagery. I follow him. He's an amazing guy. He's awesome, inspiring. Uh, he's really into conservation and does a lot of great uh, work in that area too. And I'm sure you guys will get on well. If you're interested in getting into freediving, you can visit the episode page on the website armchair-explorer.com where I'll put up details of Kellen's top recommendations and the trips he's done, as well, if you're lucky, a couple that he may be guiding himself. And as always, remember, if you are researching your next trip, I have links to all sorts of adventures inspired by our show. I only recommend companies that offer positive, sustainable travel. And by clicking those links, you help support what we do here. I'm also here anytime that you want advice or want to work on planning that next big trip. So just drop me a line. I love helping people plan adventures and I'd love to connect more deeply with you. Finally, a huge shout out to our composer today, Alistair Nisbet. Ali's worked on a few episodes here and he always does a great job. This one, he has really excelled himself. I absolutely love the soundtrack that you have put together for us today, Ali. Please check out his stuff. He does everything from soulful acoustic music to massive attack style beats and classical piano. He's supremely talented. I'll link to his stuff in all the usual places, or you can search him up on SoundCloud too. Ali Nisbet, A-L-L-Y. And last, but definitely not least you. Thank you to you guys. You're amazing. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for helping this community of explorers grow. And that's important because the more that we look for wonder in the world, the more the wonder of the world becomes a part of who we are. Dare to be truly alive.